episode 19 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist, and this podcast is all about improving your speech. Whether you're a native or non-native speaker, whether you're concerned with voice or accent or dialect or just communication in general and how you show up, we're exploring topics related to all of those things. And today's topic is one that I've really been looking forward to discussing with all of you or talking about. It's not really a discussion when it's just me now, is it? But projecting your best self is a really important concept. I also like the term best self. Because it really is about you as an individual and how you show up. There's lots of advice out there. And I can't tell you how many clients I've had. And I mentioned in past podcasts that I was a speech coach for accent, for foreign accent. And how many people would ask me how I thought they should show up. Now, it's one thing to get feedback. I think it is really important to know what other people think. But ultimately, your best self, your authentic self has to show up. If not, you're really giving a lot. You're losing out on a lot. And what I mean specifically is that if you script something, for example, and your boss tells you what to say and you say only that, you're doing everybody, including yourself, a big disservice. There is a personal piece of you that needs to show up, whether it's at work, whether it's with friends, whether it's at somebody's wedding, you're giving a speech, whether it's at a commercial event or whether you're speaking on TV, it really doesn't matter what the venue is. You have to show up as you. Anytime you compromise that and try to please somebody by doing what they want, you lose a piece of yourself. And even if you're okay with it, because you're like, yeah, I'll do whatever you want. When you bow out and step down or step away and just deliver some message like a courier would, you're sacrificing something. And your audience is going to know. It's not going to come across as genuine. They're going to get a lot more out of it if you take a bit of a risk. And let's face it, letting people really get to know who we are is a risk because if they reject you, it's more serious than if they just reject, you know, whatever script you read. And we'll be talking about going unscripted. But this kind of leads into it because you have to get in touch with that authentic self. Now, if you've had a bad experience with it, like you've been yourself and it didn't go over so great, or maybe something harkens back to high school, give yourself a free pass because everybody has those experiences where they could have done better and, you know, there's some embarrassing experience. Again, you just got to own it and go with it. But the thing about being your, your best self is there may be more than one self. This is the best one. So it doesn't mean that there aren't days when you don't feel good and you have to deliver anyway. It doesn't mean that there aren't times when you're really serious and you don't tell any jokes and you don't do the greatest job. It's going to happen. None of us is perfect. But the idea of this whole podcast is how to help you improve, stay engaged, stay enthusiastic, keep working it, showing up, not stepping away. How do we stay that way? And I think the only way to do that is to desire it to say, I'm going to bring my best self to the table. And there are going to be days when you show up really well and you're proud of yourself. And I hope you are. And I hope you say, hey, I really did a good job today. If you didn't ever do a subpar job, you wouldn't know when you did a good job. There wouldn't be any difference. You just do the same thing all the time. Maybe you don't even think about it at all. Maybe it's all in a day's work. And we need to take not necessarily too much pride in what we do, but we need to at some level, feel good about what we do and own it. And that's this thing of, be, of your, being your best self. Now, again, feedback always comes up because other people are going to tell you, yeah, you look good there. You didn't look good over there. But you've got to watch yourself and know. 
And when you bring your best self, something really special happens. It's like, you know, and you, you may think, hey, maybe I can't always recreate this, but in the moment, you know you're doing a great job. And some people are just better at it than others. Can you think of a venue where people tend to be their best selves all the time? And I don't know what that is for you. It might be a religious organization that you belong to. And when people are together like family, people just show up because they have their hearts in the right place. They say things that are supportive of each other. They really want to be there. It's a personal event. It might be something like that. It could be when they're around animals. Like maybe you volunteer at a pet shelter and you give talks. And whenever you're around pets, you're your authentic self. And when you go back to work, you no longer are. Maybe it's when you're around kids. I had a client once who, whenever he talked about his son, his eyes would just light up. And he kept asking me, what can I do to make sure that I might bring my best self? And I told him, I think you got to think about your son. Even when you're not talking about him, I noticed that whenever that came to the forefront, it would just, we'd bring it up for whatever reason. We were practicing various things and he'd bring up his son. And I would say to him, what if you just thought about your son? Like it was the first thought you had before you walked out there and then you go out there with that on your mind. And maybe something else happened that day, but you just think about your son and out you go. There are little, in a sense, tricks, tricks of the trade, right? You come up with something that works for you. And whenever he thought about his son, he became a very different person. He was very open. He would laugh. His whole tonality changed. It just shifted away from self-abuse in a way, saying really nasty things to himself, it shifted into giving it his best and, and bringing it. And then everything would come together. He'd be able to integrate a lot of things that he learned too. So you kind of have to know for you what it is. I certainly know what it is not. I had another client. I had an Indian female client who was in an all-male technology job. And she was fine with that. She was very knowledgeable, very good at what she did. But the problem was her boss was a micromanager and this really came to light because she told me that anytime she was giving an online presentation, so imagine you're in your online software, you're giving a video presentation, lots of people are there, and you're talking about all these technical points to the rest of the organization, maybe customers, maybe other leaders are there, you're on. And her boss would text her on her phone and interrupt her in the middle of her presentation and tell her she wasn't doing it right and start to give her harsh feedback. So we talked a lot about this. It really, really bothered her. And I thought, I don't know if I could give a presentation under that circumstance. If someone was texting me on the phone and expecting me to look at it and listen to it and be distracted by it and telling me everything I did was wrong, micromanaging me to that extent, I wouldn't be okay with it. So I thought to myself, what is something you could do about that? And I asked her if she would brought it up to him and she seemed really reluctant to do that. And I said, I think you have to have a private conversation with this guy and just confront him and tell him, hey, I can't bring my best game when you do this. But then don't spend a lot of time bashing him. You know, we've talked about how to have these conversations, what to say so that people can listen. Because if you just attack someone, they're not going to listen. They're going to get defensive. So what can you say to get the person to listen? She did not want to transfer. She hadn't been in the job long enough. She was very knowledgeable, but she didn't want to leave the company or anything like that. She wanted to stay in the job and just not let this guy get to her. So I thought, well, you've got to confront him. But what if you told him, you know, I could be very successful. I feel like I've really got this. But what I need you to do, if you have some tangible information you want to give me during a presentation, can you, in a sense, keep it to yourself, 
but maybe say to him instead, frame it differently. We talked a little bit about framing, but say to him, your insights are invaluable to me. I guess only if that's true. So you might have to change the wording to your insights as my boss are important to my career because they are. Your boss can fire you. So if there's something important you want me to do differently next time, please take that information and write, record it. Write it down, email it to me, however you want to handle it. I'll have a meeting with you after the presentation. But during the presentation, it really throws me off my game when you text me and expect me to respond. And just see how he responds to you. Now, that alone was scary enough for her that she wasn't willing to do it until she interviewed and had another job lined up. And I thought that was interesting, too, because all the work I was doing with her around accent and diction and everything else kind of goes out the window if you're afraid of someone to that extent. And I don't think it's a healthy relationship. But beyond that, there's something else you could do, and that is turn off your phone. Just turn off your phone. Continue with it. If the person jumps in and takes a pot shot at you or whatever they do and they own it and you work on your breathing and your grounding so as not to react, but you just basically first put them on notice. I wouldn't do it without telling them, you know, I can't function when you do this. And then if the person insists on interrupting you, you turn off your phone because you wouldn't let anyone else interrupt you, would you? Would you let your spouse or your children or your family like keep interrupting you in the middle of a speech? They wouldn't. You'd tell your kids, hey, I'll call you when I'm done. You know, leave me a message, but I'm going to turn my phone off because I can't be interrupted during this speech that I'm giving. And the same is true, especially with a technical presentation. You've got to be on. You've got to know what you're talking about. If the person wants her to do a good job, she's going to be much more effective if she's focusing on it, not worried that he's going to be insulting her. And the stuff he was saying may have been meant to be constructive, but it was so belittling that by hearing all this negative stuff, it was never you're doing a great job. It was always, don't forget to mention this. The other thought I had, potentially, this is kind of a sub-thought. It wasn't my primary one. The others were my primaries. But the other thing is you could tell him, hey, if you want to jump in as the boss and say something before or after, preferably after I'm done, then step in and say, you know, what wasn't mentioned is X. Or what we could also do is Y. And feel free to say those talking points. But while I'm presenting, this is what I'm going to do. I'll do my best job. And the other thing you could offer is to meet with the person before the presentation. But I would also really keep some boundaries around that. I wouldn't say up until the last minute, because before the presentation, you want to be reviewing your notes, maybe breathing, getting centered, getting your desk set up. If it's an online meeting, there's things you want to do. So I'm willing to meet with you the evening before. I'm willing to look at an email you send if it's in the morning, because my presentation's at 10 o'clock. So if you send me something at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m., I'll look at it. I'd be very specific. Or after the meeting, maybe right after, you just need to go for a run or ride your bicycle or whatever it is you need to do. You need to have lunch and say, hey, you know, right after the meeting, I'll be busy, but maybe three, four in the afternoon or later this evening, we could chat and I'll reach out to you when I'm available. But really owning that in terms of having boundaries. And that's an example, but these are examples from real life of people being themselves. You need to be creative and free enough and own your job and not be told what to do. And it might not always be your job. I mean, it could be that you're speaking on any topic, but if you're truly inspired, excited, and you want to energize your audience and be the best you can be, you've got to bring that to the table. Now, you may not have that serious of a circumstance. You may not have someone that's screaming and yelling at you or micromanaging you. 
there can be a lot of other things. People are sometimes their own worst enemies and we don't bring our best self because we had a bad day or we don't feel good about our public speaking or whatever it may be. I would encourage you if it's something you feel about yourself that doesn't go away, like you don't like your voice, for example, or you don't want to record yourself and listen back to it, or you rush through everything and you talk fast because you just want to get it over with. I would really encourage you to figure out what those things are and work on them. If you don't like the sound of your voice, we've talked about it, you can change it. If you don't know what other people think, get feedback, study it, choose something that you want to change. If you talk too fast, work on your pacing, your breathing. Take it on, own it. If someone is causing you grief, confront it and put yourself in a situation of empowerment where you can achieve what you want to achieve so that you can bring your best self. And I think once you experience it, for many people, they've never been in a situation where they could bring their best self to their speech. So if you can bring that true you and you know it and you feel it and you've had that experience, then you won't settle for anything less. You won't be willing to settle for anything less. Now, some people ask me, what do I mean by bring your best self? Can we define it? And I think we should define it. So when you get done, you shouldn't feel tired. You should feel energized. I know when I get done with these podcasts, I feel really good. Like I just said something that I got off my chest. Like all these years, I've been doing all this work with people, and now I get to share it. I get to record it, and it's out there. And if people like it, great. If they don't, too bad. But I put it out there, and that makes me feel good. And I don't have to pretend. I don't have to say I know something I don't. I can just talk from experiences, and I feel like I've let go. I've let the information go, and I feel good about it. So there should be a sense of empowerment. You shouldn't feel like other people are telling you what to do. When you listen to it, you should smile and feel good about it. You should like your voice. You should like the pacing. You should like the topics. You should like your audience. And if there's things you don't like, consider making a move. If you really don't like your job, change it. Life's too short to stay in a situation where you're that unhappy. So that's part of it. You might not be bringing your best self for some external reason. So really resolve those and have your boundaries in place. But the best self is what you say and do, that you feel good about it, you feel energized by it, that you don't always think about what you could do differently or better, that you don't criticize yourself all the time, that you don't leave thinking, oh, I screwed up, or oh, I'm so glad that's over, that you find a way to make it pleasant. You find a way for it to be a release and a therapy. Some of us like exercising, and I'm one who does. I know there are people who do not like to exercise, but it's just like exercise. If you do it and you feel exhausted all the time and you have to force yourself because you think you should be doing it, you're never going to find that moment that you feel proud of yourself for having done it, that you feel stronger, more confident if you hate it. You have to find an exercise you love. And I truly believe there's something for everybody. I know that I have been asked before to do the elliptical by some people. Maybe it was a doctor or something that said, oh, why don't you just do the elliptical or why don't you ride a stationary bike? And on occasion, I've done that. It's not my primary. I tend to like dancing, like Zumba dancing or hip hop or something like that. I don't happen to be good at it, but I think it's fun. I like to do something with music. There are people who prefer the outdoors. They only want to be like out hiking or playing pickleball. But find something you enjoy that you're good at, that energizes you, and that's your exercise. You don't have to do something you hate. 
I think the same is true with speech. If you work with people you don't like and that's why the meetings are hard, change jobs. If you want to work for yourself and you want to do your own thing, get out there and try it. Don't let the fact that you're afraid to public speak hold you back. Practice it, learn how to do it, get people to help you, whatever it takes. So that's sort of a general feedback of how do you bring your best self. Put yourself in an environment where you can shine with people you enjoy working with and then speak from your heart. And that's the key. Bringing your best self is not doing everything perfectly. It's just feeling good about what you do and seeing it as a release. It should motivate you and make you feel better. So that's my piece on bringing your best self. You don't have to do it every time, but that should be the goal. We'll be talking next about how to move from being scripted to being unscripted. We'll be talking about integrating everything we've learned. And then I want to cycle back and talk about posture and breath for speech, best practices, articulation exercises. What can you be doing with your lips and your jaw and your tongue so that you can be a better speaker? And then we're going to move into nonverbal communication, both the do's and the don'ts and syncing the verbal and the nonverbal And then the last thing I have envisioned, and then I'll come up with more episodes, is what to do if you talk too fast. We really have to circle back because lots of people tell me that speeding up and not having control over pausing, and partly it's breathing, but not having control over how fast they talk or how fast other people perceive them as talking, which we've talked about in earlier episodes, is really holding them back and really getting a lot of criticism thrown at them that they don't deserve. So we need to talk about how to slow yourself down in a sense, or simply how to speak at a natural rate for you and not feel like you're speeding up or rushing all the time. And we'll get to all those topics in the very near future. I look forward to the next podcast and I hope all of you have enjoyed what we've done so far and found some nuggets of truth. Talk to you next time.